Hey everybody, welcome back to the Menschwarmers, your bi-weekly Jews and sports podcast brought to you by the Canadian Jewish News. That's right, uh, you're on with the Menschwarmers on this beautiful December Eve. Uh, we like to talk about Jews and sports and uh, recap when heroes fly here on what's, our radio show. What's when heroes fly? It's an Israeli television program. Uh, it's oh, okay. on Netflix. It's about Jews in Colombia. We should get into the holiday season. We can talk about those uh, awful-looking Hallmark Channel uh, or li- whatever it's called, Lifetime Channel Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, are there, about, any, about Hanukkah, are there any Hanukkah movies? Yeah, there was an article in the Washington Post this week about how uh, they're actually deeply anti-Semitic. So you know, <laughs> that's always fun. Are they are they just stereotypes about Hanukkah? Like it's as if it's a Christmas movie, but it's just Hanukkah. Uh, that's what the article said about one of them. It was called Double Holiday and uh, stars Carly Pope, who is so not Jewish that her last name is Pope. Yeah, right. But she is Canadian. Uh, she is Canadian. Yeah, she's yeah. from Vancouver from and Vancouver. was okay. in the TV, show, the TV show Popular from back in the 90s. Po- popular. popular. Carly Popular. Carly Popular. So kudos to her for, I guess, having brown hair. Right. I don't know actually if she plays a Jewish Did she play a character named Carly Rabbi? Oh, that would Carly be Carly High Priest of the Temple Period? <laughs> Carly Cohen. Would yeah. Really be the, yeah. <laughs> right, of course. I don't know if she plays a Jew in the movie, actually, but regardless. Um, they're, Carly they're, Herodotus? They're supposed to be pretty bad. Um, Herodotus was the High Priest of the Temple, right? Mm, sure. Okay. Um, any any other Jewish culture moments in the last week? Um, I mean, Hanukkah's coming soon. Yeah. Today, our episode will touch, I would say, significantly on, if not... Hanukkah as a holiday than at least some themes related to Hanukkah. That's right. Uh, Gabe, coming up later, is going to tell us a little bit about the history of the Maccabee, Maccabee Games. That's right, which uh, it's not actually called that. What's it called? The Maccabiah. Maccabiah. It's a okay. little different. It's a little different. What are Jewish people, if not pedantic over what things are called? Sure. Uh, and some might say that's really the basis of the whole religion. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> the, the podcast. That, that thing is the, you know... This right Cosa Nostra. It's the Cosa say, Nostra of the Jews. I was going to say the correct name for God, but you know, aside from that, uh, other things as well. Uh, before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about uh, last week's episode, or two weeks ago's episode. Talked a lot about Don Cherry, got some feedback from people, um, people interested in telling us about why the Canadian Jewish News should be covering other things that they think are more important. Like to things we, we covered. Yeah. To which, I, to which I, should, I would say, yes, it, it is important that the Canadian News covers those things, which it does. <laughs> and our, uh, you know, sports podcast, which was mostly about making uh, dick jokes about Mike Babcock, yeah. can also cover the, uh, you know. I'm sorry, your what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, can, ever, can also cover some of the more fun things or, or silly things in the world. We got or, a lot of comments on our Facebook post talking about why Jews should be mad at Don Cherry. A lot of them to the tune of, get over it. Something that someone clearly was not Jewish if they were telling us that. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of Gentiles who might have been making those comments. So yeah. as much as we invite uh, all of our Gentile listeners to uh, listen to the show and comment as necessary, if we're saying something about why Jews should be feel a certain way about something, maybe keep it to yourself. It also seemed like a lot of those people had not actually listened to the show. I, yeah, I'm not saying we should quiz our listeners before they comment, but maybe we could participate in a discussion of like, a serious man right. and see if they, they can hang in that discussion. Then they can comment on our show. If they show. can give the first names to the Cohen brothers, they, they're, <laughs> they're entitled to comment on the show. We need like a qualified comment section. Like, uh, like every like highbrow, uh, right. You have to earn your way. You got to yeah, get highbrow enough website plus votes. Try, tries to get going every now and then. Gotta, our, our shamash has to light enough candles on you for you to be able to comment. Yeah. Um, but having talked about that, uh, we should talk about some more Jewish sports items in the news. Uh, not all great stories this week. Yeah, a bit of a row down under. Yeah, a bit of a row down under. So our first story uh, comes to us 
from New Zealand, uh, where in a recent game that was broadcast on uh, Sky Sports. This is a, a member of the New Zealand All Blacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. An All Blacks player named Jock, Jack Goodhue, who, by all accounts, not Jewish as far you as know, we know. But if, if he lived in North America and his name was like, you know, Jackie Goodman. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyways, the commentator at the time, his name is Brian Hall, was talking about uh, Mr. Goodhue's mullet and made this comment. The real reason why he's running... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you do it in a New Zealand accent? Oh, I cannot. I'm going to offend any Kiwis who are listening to, it, <laughs> listening to this show if, if we do it. Do you want to try? No. Uh, the real reason why he's running a mullet at the moment... Uh, it's more South African. <laughs> is that he's engaged. He doesn't want to pay for his wedding, so he's actually looking for Women's Day or Women's Weekly to try and get behind and pay for his wedding. So red card for being a Jew. Jack, so there you go, mate. Wow. So, Basically what he was saying, because this guy got a mullet. Sorry, he has a mullet and he got a red. He got a card for, for wearing a mullet. I assume a red card in, in rugby is, is like a red card in soccer. Did he get an actual red card or was it like a metaphorical red card as in like, you know, someone would say to us, red card for you for disliking Don Cherry? Uh, no, he was giving him a, a fictional red card. Okay. He was just saying, making a joke that it was like a, a you know, a, a loser of the day, bozo of the week kind of thing for wearing the mullet. Mm -hmm. But he was saying that he was trying to get the wedding paid for. In this for. case, Jew of the week. Yeah, yeah. It basically called him a Jew in the in the in, in the, the verb slur, in the verb <laughs> sense. Yeah, in the uh, in the way that Jew used to be a Scrabble word sense, right. but they had to get rid of it because it was too offensive. In the uh, you know Jew somebody out of something sense. So no real Jews involved here. But uh, and, and he's being accused of trying to quote-unquote Jew, a women's magazine out of paying for his wedding? Yeah, essentially. I mean, I think it was just a joke that went wrong. But right. I get the, real, the, the real problem here is using Jew in that sense, or in, right. any, or in any sense, I guess, as a, as a verb and not as a descriptor <laughs> of someone who, you know, yeah. adheres to the Jewish faith or uh, is descended from Jews or something like that. Maybe you could say, like, oh, I'm going to Jew today, if you're, like, on your way to Dovin. Yeah, I guess. If you're Jewish and you're on your way to Dovin, you have full permission to use Jew in that way. And if we want to, maybe that's a, a plan to reclaim Jew in that sense. Yeah. Just mean pray or act Jewish. Right. But uh, I think act Jewish is a slippery slope. Yeah. Well, the local uh, Jewish council in New Zealand uh, complained about this. And I'm sure both of them were furious. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, unless they can get a Taika Waititi involved, there's not enough Jews in New Zealand to like get, Is there a get minion? things done. Do they have one enough to form a minion? Uh, they must. Maybe on the North Island, maybe not yeah. on the South Island. <laughs> <laughs> south is too hot. It's too uncomfortable. Yeah. Or but, is the South where they go when they retire? So uh, while the broadcast, they complained to the Broadcast Standards uh, Administration, which I, I, t I take it to understand to be sort of like the FCC uh, equivalent in New Zealand. And they basically said, yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. Um, that they weren't going to censor the person who did it at all or penalize them at all. So they apologized. Sky Sports apologized. Fine. But, you know, maybe broadcasters out there, let's all just strike Jew as a, as, from of our course. dictionary yeah. and not let this happen again. I mean, I don't want to, you know, get to – this isn't the biggest deal in the world. Let's, let's be realistic. There's more important things going on. But using Jew like this casually is pretty bad. It's not good. It, it's pretty much been stricken from the North American media, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so that was the bad. I'm going to call this next one the ugly. Okay. Okay. Is so there, there a good coming? There is a good coming, sort of. Okay. Um, so here's the ugly. It comes to us from the National Post, uh, local Canadian journal, although it was picked up around the world. A Russian skater, figure skater by the name of Anton Shulipov, 
has been apparently skating for the last several months, and this only came out recently, in a costume that is a mix between a Nazi concentration camp guard and a concentration camp victim, uh, a concentration camp prisoner uniform. Well, uh, figure skating is a very emotional and artistically descriptive act. Yes. Is he playing out the story during his... Oh, yes. Music? Oh, he is. He is skating to the theme from Schindler's List. <laughs> is that worse than Jerry Seinfeld making out during Schindler's List? Some Russian guy doing triple axles? Anyways, this guy has been skating for the last couple months. It's like, it's hard to describe the outfit, except that like, it's it's like, it's sort of garish the way all figure skating outfits are, but also subdued. So it's like <laughs> jet black. It sort of tight. looks like airbrushed. Yeah, it sort of looks airbrushed. And, you know, the left half of his torso is the sort of gray, black and white uh, striped pajamas with a yellow star on his chest. Like, really, like, in case you didn't get it. In case you didn't get the imagery. Is the word Jude even written on it? Uh, I can't quite tell if the word Jude is is written on it. It looks like something is written on it. It might be be a number. Um, But in any event, I guess the time's cut up to him. I, I can only imagine that this came out today on the heels of the story. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Amazon got chastised for selling like Christmas ornaments that had pictures of Auschwitz on it. Yeah. And it was this things that like people had uploaded separately. Obviously like, you know, Jeff Bezos wasn't sitting in his chair being like, we need Auschwitz <laughs> ornaments. That's what the people want. Uh, but you know, regardless that on Amazon was trying, doing that, they might've might been, been like, like procedurally generated that yeah. like you could order print, like you could order prints of, of, of Auschwitz. Everything on this one website yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. But I, I imagine it came on the heels of that, but you know, he was wearing it. The, the National Post article says that he was wearing it at least two major ISU uh, uh, International Skating Union, I believe, figure skating competitions last month. And there's uh, got to be some Israeli figure skaters. Is there any Jewish figure oh, for skaters sure. that had something to say about this? Well, apparently nobody brought it up, but today uh, or recently, uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, who's the CEO of the Anti Defamation League, said, "You know, we understand the need for skaters to be creative in their choice of costumes." Anton Chulopov's apparent decision to evoke painful Holocaust imagery as part of his routine was insensitive and offensive. I mean, this has happened before. Um, I think it was the Russians a couple years ago for the ice dance. You know, they do like a a cultural element yeah. as part of the ice dance where they like. Was there like a pogrom in their cultural no, element? No, it wasn't Jewish, but but there was like a, a native imagery issue where they were like uh, adopting na- North American uh, right. Aboriginal imagery in, in their costuming. And there have been other like cultural ones like that where it's just been like, uh, you know, sort of my culture is not your costume kind of thing that's been right. going on. Well, there's a lot of Jewish figure skaters around the world. I can think of, the, I mean, the legendary Sasha Cohen and Clara Hughes, both American. Sure. Sarah Hughes, I should say, both American gold medalists. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Moskovitz from Canada. Yep. There's been Israeli figure skaters, yeah. despite the fact there's only one skating rink in the whole country. Absolutely many Israeli figure skaters. So I can't imagine there are people on tour who haven't tried to say something. Yeah, I think. It's, what if he's Jewish? Uh, I don't think he is based on his name. And my limited understanding of Russian naming systems uh, by virtue of my wife being a Soviet Jew. Right. Uh, I don't think he's Jewish, uh, especially the name Anton, I think especially. But no one has indicated that he is Jewish. Even if he is, I don't know that that necessarily exonerates him here. Probably would have come up in the coverage. Yeah, exactly. Probably would have come up in the coverage. But also, like, it would be a weird choice for a Jew also. It's just a weird choice in general. It's a weird choice for anyone. Yeah. Is he trying to see both sides? I know that's popular these days. Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know... We're sort of focusing on the don't dress up like a Holocaust victim and just dress as Schindler's List part, but don't I think, I think the card either. Yeah, I think the the split imagery. It's like, are you trying to make you know the 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 guard and the prisoner 
the victim of the Holocaust and the you know executor of the Holocaust to be equal? That seems to be the suggestion by his right. costume. So luckily, we don't have to see it any ever again um, and think about it too much. But whatever interpretive sca- skating he was doing to uh, and. My understanding is to that part to that of this program. came to light is because it was nominated in some list of the best costumes of the year. Oh, I didn't see that, but that's very interesting. I mean, yeah. this has come up before. There was, um, I can't remember who it was, but uh, there was a fashion label that introduced clothing with a Jewish star on it a couple years ago. That was a bit of a controversy. And I think yeah. they apologized and said, well, we shouldn't have done that. But I get it's like people trying to reappropriate. And I this, remember you know, H&M came out with some towels that just looked like taluses. Like oh, it was really? straight up like blue stripes. You know, 37 tassels on the end, just, you know, a thin sort of shoulder towel. Well, this sartorial discussion does lead well into our next topic. Which, fashion corner. Yeah, a little fashion corner, which I'm going to say is, uh, I don't know about the good, but pretty good. You know, this is a fun story, at least. Gabe, you know I'm not the biggest wrestling fan, but You're you awesome. are. I'm not. <laughs> but you are, so you might have to walk me through a little bit about this. Okay. Uh, here's a story that comes to us from the Jerusalem Post. The Jerusalem Post. Yeah. They're covering wrestling now? Apparently they are. And the headline is, in Christmas season, Jewish wrestler demands Hanukkah representation. So the focus is on a tweet here from someone named, and this may be someone you're familiar with. His name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Oh, of course. MJF. (laughs) MJF. Okay. Affectionately. The real MJF. And okay. So somebody tweeted at him, you must hate Christmas. And he wrote, makes me sick to my stomach. My holiday has little to no representation. And then in all caps, I want Hanukkah sweaters. Ellipsis, wait. Hey, one hour tease. I demand a Hanukkah sweater or I will sue. And then he went on to talk about it and uh, tweet with people about how much he wants a Hanukkah sweater. So okay, just a little context for one hour tease for the uninitiated, including Jamie, is yeah. a very famous wrestling t-shirt company. Okay. So tell me a little bit about this uh, what, MJF. MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. So he, he carries, I would say, a talus to the ring with him in the form of a Burberry scarf. Okay, I was going to ask you about that because the picture of him has him basically shirtless. With that a sounds bur- about with right. A He's a fairly sc- nude man. Okay, with a Burberry scarf hanging down to his waist. And what, what I would say, you know, it's the way one can wear a scarf, but yeah. for a Jew, it's the way a Jew would wear a tallis yeah. if they were also shirtless for some reason. <laughs> he goes to one of those, you know that, that weird uh, uh, New Jersey synagogue where the rabbi does all the kinky tantra stuff? Okay. That's MJF synagogue. Beach reform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he wrestles in all elite wrestling. That's a question for uh, our... Uh, Okay, Alex. so this isn't the It's mainstream. a new sort of upstart. It's not the WWE. It is sort of the mainstream rival to the WWE. Okay. Uh, it was founded about two years ago by Tony Khan, uh, actually a man we've talked about here before, otherwise right. known as the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, Fulham FC. I think he's not Jewish. He's Muslim, but him and his father, Shahid Khan, oh, okay. own those teams together. He also owns this wrestling promotion, which MJF works for. So it says he's only 23 years old and he's, he's a heel? Yep, he's he's a heel. So I'm surprised the Jerusalem Post is buying this. Maybe they don't understand that wrestling is scripted. But well, they, they talk about it being a heel. So I take it that this tweet was pretty um, in character. Yes, right? for sure. So they're I think they're reporting on the storyline as right. much as they are about the character work. And I guess these days are wrestlers, you know, engaging with social media to sort of expand their characters. And absolutely, very few are doing so proudly Jewish, which right. I think makes MJF unique. What complicates things a little bit is he's definitely a heel character and he sort of plays up 
his stereotype oh, for I a see. bit. He's supposed to be sort of this rich, snooty man. Okay. He's introduced as Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He's better than you, and you know it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the Burberry scarf, I feel like, is a symbol of, you know, Exactly. And there's been a long, long history in wrestling of a character who's essentially playing the Jew. Uh, Really? Yeah. Uh, Paul Heyman's done that for a very long time, sort of as the speaker, the advocate. A couple of years ago, uh, his client, Brock Lesnar, was in a match against Bill Goldberg. And before the match, Paul Heyman, live on TV, just began reciting the Mourner's Cuttish. Wow. I thought it was hilarious. That is funny. (laughs) Yeah. But it probably went over the heads of most of wrestling fans. Most, I think as soon as you hear the Yit Gadal and then the Yit Gadash, you really yeah. uh, drop out. So I think we're planning some point in the future to do a more in-depth uh, show about wrestling. Maybe, I think we maybe will. get some Jewish wrestling writers on if we yep. can. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think growing up, the the one wrestler I thought of as being Jewish or knowing was Ju- being Jewish was Goldberg. That's right. Um, I assume there's others who. Uh, it wasn't necessarily known or, or it wasn't few. part of their character. Uh, Goldberg, I mean, he was always proudly Jewish. Yeah, but he didn't play it up as his character. No, he was just a scary, scary man. And and I think that was kind of his point. And he talked about being sort of different and, and uh, uh, treated with some anti-Semitism in okay. certain parts okay. of his career. But I mean, he had a sort of skinhead aesthetic. Like, other than Absolutely. being Goldberg, I wouldn't necessarily have known he was Jewish. Well, he was the toughest guy in the room. That was sort of his... Okay. And he was treated sort of like a god, uh, always. Wow. Um, he, I think, has lost two matches in his entire 25-year professional wrestling Is he career. still wrestling at all? He does. Every now and again. He actually wrestled in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. Okay. And we talked about this because I'm not sure MBS knew he was Jewish uh, when right, they brought right. him in. I'd be surprised. Well, but MJF, he's he's wonderful. And anyone who watches, listener, watches All Elite Wrestling, uh, enjoy his character. He's, uh, he's in the main event scene and he's going to be good for a very long time. Well, that's very interesting. And hopefully he gets his uh, Hanukkah sweater. Maybe that'll... Mainstream be, press. Maybe that'll be in his uh, upcoming wrestling matches. When do they do AEW? Wednesday Every nights? Wednesday night. Okay. And uh, we wish him luck. And, you know, sometimes it's fun to root for the bad guy. Yeah, of course. Mazel tov. Uh, so oh, I, you know who's also Jewish, speaking of, just to bring it up, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Another really? member of the AEW roster is okay. Jewish. I think uh, Macho Man Randy Savage was half Jewish, He was. Right? He was. Him and his brother. That's usually how it works. Yeah. We'll bring it up. We'll we'll have we'll dedicate an episode to this too, but DDP, he could be a mentor to uh to MJF talking about what it's like being a Jewish wrestler. Okay, good to know. Um I think we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we'll be talking a little bit about the history of the Maccabia games. Okay, welcome back to the Mentormers. Uh before we get into our second half segment, wanna just uh mention our Facebook page, the Canadian CJN Podcast Network. Uh, You can find our podcast, as always, on the Canadian Jewish News, which is available at cjnews.com. Please like and comment on our shows. Both Jamie and I get right in there in the comments with all of uh, everyone talking about our show. Yeah, if you want to get OK Boomered by Gabe or me, uh, please comment on our Facebook page. Throw Um, in some OK Boomers and uh, Lib Snowflakes and whatnot. Exactly. Uh, Always great to get feedback and, and, you know, try and get the word out there. If you have Jewish friends, uh, cousin, nephew, uh, uncle, whatever that you think might enjoy it, you know, our archives are available. We have a nice... uh, Group, you know, almost twenty podcasts under our belt now. So yeah, it's, um, we've got a high amount. Our last episode, our, our was our high episode. We probably right. should have talked about that. That's true. We have done a few numerology uh, shoutouts in our podcast, so we'll have to keep that in mind. In Are the we future. a numerologist podcast? Uh, maybe, maybe in the future. Maybe when we run out of Jewish athletes' as profile, <laughs> do we talk about Jewish numerologists instead? Just good numbers. God, in Judaism. he's one of them. He's a famous Jewish numerologist. Yeah. 
Um, follow us on Twitter at menschwarmers. You can find links to all of the articles that I mentioned previously. Uh, try and make sure that all those things are up. If you really want to get the visual of what a uh, Holocaust victim <laughs> slash concentration camp guard figure skating uniform or outfit looks like, you know, you can find that through our, our, our Twitter page. As well as the Shonda mullet itself from the New Zealand Rugby Society. That's right. Um, so Gabe, you're going to talk to us a little bit about the history of the Maccabi games. That's right. So Hanukkah's coming up and, uh, thinking about the story of Hanukkah and sure. what do you know about the story of Hanukkah? Do you, what, let's hear your quick pricey of it. Okay. Um, in the, uh, after the kingdoms in Israel, uh, Israel was taken over by sort of, uh, shoot, shoot off of the Greek empire after the death of, uh, Alexander the great. And it sort of tried to, Hellenize the Jews who Jews who are living in the Israel and what's currently Israel and the surrounding areas, and they resisted and revolted, and uh, that's the story that we celebrate. Include the the desecration of the first temple and uh, the the miracle of the oil that uh, lasted for eight days. Eight days. That's yeah, right. After okay. They won independence from Antiochus. Um, yeah. A brief reprieve until the Romans took over, I guess. But yeah. uh, you know, it was and, good um, for a bit. Well, specifically why that story is relevant to us is we talk about the history of Judah Maccabee and the great heroism not none by him. Right. Um, and the Maccabee sort of, uh, they were a, a Jewish liberation movement that fought to liberate Israel from, or the Jewish people from Greek rule. Right. And basically for the last 200, 300 years, Jew, Jewish sports groups have named themselves after this uh, movement. They've called themselves the Maccabees. If you were a local Jewish sporting club in Europe, uh, all over Europe, uh, even as far as Turkey and uh, Austria, Germany, there are sort of Maccabee athletic clubs going back almost 300 years. Right. Sort of like a, a code word for, for Jewish athleticism. Exactly. There's a number of different sort of Maccabee uh, uh, theories as well as different movements known, you know, talked about Bar Kokhba and muscular Judaism and uh, sure. so on and so forth. But Maccabee is, is usually the, the move. So those two names were often very shared in the result against Greek, the Bar Kokhba re revolt. Um, and let's, let's know, well, keep in mind, that was the name of a lot of different Jewish sporting clubs all over the world. Anyway, here we go. We're now, it's the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm. Okay. And... The end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, most national sports federations around the world banned Jews. Really? Okay. Yeah. They said, if you're Jewish, I mean, obviously Germany is famous for doing so in the 1936 Olympics. Right. But previously before America, Europe, uh, uh, you weren't allowed to be a Jew, uh, uh, outspoken Jew and participate in official uh, athlete, uh, athletic competitions. Okay. However, there was a man in Russia, a Russian Jew named Yosef Yekuteli who it's not a name we think about very often, but he's a pretty notable guy. Uh, in 1912, he heard about the Stockholm Olympics, got very excited to read about the Stockholm Olympics, and it was the first Olympics in which Jewish athletes were able to participate in. So he got really excited and wanted to start a movement to train and fund Jewish athletes on their way to the Olympics. Okay. And I take it, and this was before Israel existed, obviously. So Correct. there wasn't a, a team Israel to get behind. But... He wanted to create one. Oh, okay. So as British Palestine, the mandate was being made and Jews were immigrating to Israel, he actually worked at the Eretz Israel office of Russia, sort of moving people to British Palestine. 
And he always wanted, he worked with the JNF to get to it, and he wanted to create a sporting event of only Jews uh, or a Jewish team to be ready in the Olympics for the 1932 Olympics, uh, which was the 1800th anniversary of the Bar Kokhba Rebellion, which oh, is wow. the story of okay. So all of that, he plan- planned that all for it. He goes, pitches his idea, gets his ready, starts something called the Maccabi Federation, forming organizing committee for the, what he would call the first Maccabia, which is the Jewish athletes. They eventually present to the Chancellor for Palestine, okay. whose name was John Chancellor. A little bit of uh, exciting British British drama in there. Uh, John Chancellor, who was the Commissioner Chancellor of Palestine, quite the anti-Semite, oh, it turned wow. out. He did not it? believe the Jews should or could participate in sports. Oh, wow. Even on their own. He didn't want them to participate with the rest of the world. He didn't want to participate them with himself. So he was not throwing a sport behind the Maccabi Games. He was not throwing a sport behind the Maccabi Games in, you know, 1928. Right. When it was originally pitched by Yekutelli in Czechoslovakia with the big group, even though all the Jews are behind it. Anyway, 1931, Chancellor gets replaced as Chancellor. Now it's a new guy, Sir Arthur Grenfell Waukope. Uh He loved Jews. Sure. He is quoted as having great admiration for Zionist Palestine. Well, Approved the Maccab- Maccabia. Said, you could host it in Israel. You can get Jews from all over the world. Let's do it. So they had to do sort of a typically Jewish marketing campaign. Found some yids on skids. About a thousand Jewish people jumped on the motorcycles, rode from town to town, from shtetl to shtetl in 1930 and 1931, all over Europe, telling people there's a big sporting event, 1932, Tel Aviv, get yourselves there. I like this idea that there's going to like these like relatively impoverished settlements in the, you know, shtetls in the pale of settlement and like being like, all right, we want your fastest guy. We want your strongest. Like, yeah. who you got? Who you got? We will take him with us. Yeah. Get him on, get him on the uh, mule train. You see Yankel over there who yeah, can exactly. carry four plows at once? That guy's going to be in the shot put. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would assume that there wasn't like a ton of like organized Jewish athleticism in like the smaller shtetls and stuff like no, that. No, but it says Certainly, they stopped in London, Paris, okay. Antwerp, Nuremberg. So I was going to say any any cities in, in Europe that had larger Jewish communities at the time certainly had gymnasium and, uh, you know, athletic endeavors like that. You know, things like that propped up in the early 20th century and all over Europe. So they finished their two-year tour, or year-and-change tour, going about 10,000 kilometers from Tel Aviv to Egypt, boat up to Spain, Nuremberg, Paris, London, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And went back around through Turkey and Beirut. So the, the idea had already changed at this point from a team of Jewish athletes to compete in the Olympics Where, to let's get Jewish all the Olympics t- itself. So... I don't want to ruin the surprise for you, but there's a reason for that. Okay. Is it anti-Semitism? Might be. Okay. We'll get there. Anyway, 1932, March 28th. Very exciting day. Start of the first Maccabia. Mayor of Tel Aviv, Meyer Diesengoff, very famous guy. Well, they named the shopping mall after him. No, and a, a big uh, chain of hummus restaurants in Israel. If anyone's know. been to a Dizengoff's, they're quite good. Okay. He decided to kick off the games... He wanted a big thing. Found a white horse paraded through the streets, leading all of the athletes running in circles. 390 sportsmen following his white horse participating in the Olympics in 1932. The Maccabiah. The Maccabiah. Sorry, the Jewish Olympics in Maccabiah. Very exciting. Okay. 1936, Olympics are in Berlin. Jews are really worried. 
Not allowed to participate. Not allowed. Well, they are somewhat, but Hitler wanted to show his big thing. So there was a Maccabia at the same time. They wanted to place it, uh, you know, against the anti-Semitism. At the same time, secretly, the plan was to have a lot of Israeli athletes, a lot of Jewish athletes from all over the world come to Israel and defect and bypass the British white paper system. Oh, interesting. For which you had to fulfill to immigrate to... Immigrate to Israeli, or, or Israeli, I should say, British Palestine, you need to be approved by the British government. However, if you were a Jew from elsewhere in the world and just stayed, you were a citizen of the future Israel, bypassing the British uh, white paper. And so were they successful? There were about 1,300 athletes from 28 different countries that stayed in Israel during wow. the time. So that's pretty impressive. I mean, you can imagine that most of those people probably went on to kibbutzes and things like that and sort of helped settle Israel. Absolutely. Maybe even fought in, in the War of Independence or sure. something similar. It's not really a thing you think about when you hear about the Maccabiah games in modern, that it was you sort of used as a way to spirit Jews and refugees from around the world. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of what you know modern Israel was based on was the sort of physical return to the land and physical reclaiming of the land and, and building settlements and things like that. That was a really, you know, incredibly labor-intensive endeavor. Absolutely. You can and imagine the need for people who are physically fit and, and had trained in that way. And it got a lot of people out of Europe in 1936, which was a really risky sure. thing and a really important thing to have done, especially during, as you mentioned earlier, through anti-Semitism, the white paper program, which forced Jews to register with the British government and be approved to move to Palestine, to Zionist Palestine, well, as it was known at the time. Right. Um, so those are the first two. Did they continue doing, uh, were there Maccabiya games during World War II at all? I'd imagine there was probably a break. There, there were no were Olympics. Not. There, was there were no Olympics during that. There was a significant break of almost 15 years. Okay. It was scheduled to be had in 1938. However, it was canceled sort of indefinitely. And then in 1950, as it has usually been done during Sukkot, it came back and it was the first games in the state of Israel. Wow. So since then, the Maccabi Games, I think, have taken place every, every now they're every four years. Yes. Uh, so like the Olympics. They're every four years. Something notable about those uh, 1950 ones is that uh, they built a stadium. It was the first Maccabi and first sports stadium specific for Israel. 50,000 seats in Ramat Gun that was built with donations from the Jewish National Fund and people all over the world specifically for this event. So since then, 1953. 2,000 athletes from 20 countries. Word starts to spread. Post-Holocaust, people are really believing in the cause. 2,000 athletes came, and then they decide, just like the Olympics, like there are Olympiads, there's going to be Maccabia ads, and there'll be each Maccabia will take place every four years. And the 20th has now happened in 2017, and the 21st will happen in 2021. Sort of a nice little time there. And uh, as the years have gone by, it's continued to grow in size, I take it, right? Yep. It is now the third largest sporting event in the world wow. behind the Summer Olympics and the Pan Am Games. In, in the, terms of what? Like in terms of the number of athletes? Number of athletes participating. There were almost 10,000 Jews from all over the world participating in the Maccabi in 2017, which included a Canadian story of a hockey player. They include some winter uh, athletes who okay. proposed to his girlfriend another Maccabi athlete during the opening ceremonies. There were obviously several rabbis in the audience that were able to marry them on the spot at the <laughs> Maccabi. That's very nice. Um, I know that one Canadian, uh, one notable Canadian who was a previous Maccabi athlete was Erwin Kotler. Yeah. Uh, previously the MP for Mount Royal. You know, was a, uh, was a, Participant in the ping pong tournament. He was in the ping pong Maccabi games. I actually, he once no showed a guest lecture at McGill that I was giving. Oh, that's fine. I was giving. That you were I was attending. You, you, he you was allegedly attending? giving, and yeah. he no showed it. 
So just some uh, follow-ups. Um, a lot of people still stay at in Israel after coming to the Maccabia. It is a common way for Israeli immigration and sort of a common way for people load to get connection. of yeah. people into Israel. People just get a trip to Israel and then stay there. It happens a lot. And a lot of sort of there's a, a joke. I can't really pronounce it in Hebrew, but the athlete goes and the equipment goes back. Sort of the joke that people tell. So Right. That's yeah. cool. I mean, taking, taking a look at some of the participants, it seems like some of the people who make it are, are not necessarily the best athletes, but have, have great careers otherwise in sports. For example, uh, Larry, Larry Brown and, uh, and Ernie Grunfeld, both oh, yeah. NBA coaches who made the Maccabi Games <laughs> basketball. Didn't quite make it in, on their own, right? No. As basketball players, um, though, interestingly, well as coaches. current NHL player, and uh, I don't know if he's a fan of the pod, but the pod is a fan of him. Zach Hyman is a Maccabi gold medalist, sure. as well with his brother, who did not make the NHL, but he's a former Maccabi athlete. Okay. So it tends to be mostly uh, youth or people who are younger. And, you know, I think there's a real sense of it as being like, you know, both a athletic competition where people are really competing hard and trying to win medals for their countries, but also like a real, you know, gathering of the Jews and a look what we Absolutely. can do. We can be involved in this area of, of life and, and celebrate Jewish athleticism and Jewish sport. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know if there are any Maccabi athletes who didn't win at the Maccabi but did win in the Olympics. You know, Jason Lezak has won a million Olympic medals as uh-huh. well as a bunch of Maccabi medals. But is there anything he was like the best in the world at, but not the best Jew that day? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, we have to do some more digging on that. We um, can get him on the show. Yeah. We um, ask. You know, we'd be happy to hear from anyone who's participating in the Maccabi Games. Always great to get feedback. And uh, maybe in anticipation of the 2021 Games, we'll, we'll do some more uh, in-depth profiling of athletes to watch and uh, talk, talk, talk about that as we get closer to the date. Absolutely. Uh, if the Canadian Jewish News wants to send us to Israel for Sukkot 2021, we will be happy to go uh, cover the Maccabi Games in person. If any sponsors wants to send us to send us to the Maccabi Games, we could do that too. Um, Something interesting about the Maccabi Games: it isn't actually legally limited to only Jewish athletes. Oh, really? Um, Arab Israelis are allowed to participate, okay, and do and win a lot of medals for Israel. Huh. Um, I mean, but- I think it would be sort of discriminatory to be exclusively for Jews. But on the other hand, that's sort of the point. Yeah. I don't know how you, I mean, I, I guess there's probably some rules in place about who's allowed to participate and not, but you know, like those things tend to be, it's, it, it can be a little uh, wishy-washy in terms of who's, who's of not wanting to exclude anybody, which may. Absolutely. But there, I mean, there's been uh, Maccabi delegations, Jewish or not Jewish or Jewish at birth or not Jewish at birth, you know, from, sure. from the DR Congo, from, Ecuador, from Kenya, Samoa, Palau, uh, not places that are traditionally known to have a lot of Jews there, but they do participate, which is great. Very cool. Well, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this episode of the Mench Warmers. Uh, We should be back with one more episode before the end of the year. Before we take a Hanukkah break. And then take a little Hanukkah break. Um, As always, uh, find us on the Canadian Jewish News and find us at Twitter on Mench Warmers. Larry Tannenbaum, you're you're invited onto our podcast once again. (laughs) At any Uh, time, Larry, if you want to talk about the Maccabi Games and how, if you have ever supported it, perhaps... uh, carried the torch it goes from modi'in to tel aviv by the way if you want to explain to our listeners why you won't send us to the maccabia game (laughs) we'd love to hear it we'd love to hear it in person uh and thanks again to uh alex rose our producer michael Freeman, our supervising producer and the good folks of the canadian jewish news for publishing this uh this little endeavor into sports and judaism good listening and uh happy until then we're the mentors